senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Ah, screw it. Hi, welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Uh, this is episode, what did I say, 62? 62. We don't have all of our equipment around us, and this may sound different. We're trying a new mobile setup. We are not in the Crisis on Infinite Midlives home office today. We're at our, I don't know, ancillary office, satellite <laughs> office in uh, central Massachusetts with a couple of guests. You've heard them on the show before, uh, Trebuchet. Hola. And Pixie Sticks. Hello. As always, those are their real names, I swear, before God and Sonny Jesus. <laughs> I can't see why anybody would not want to be associated with us and not use their real names. But, so yes, we are, uh, the, the show may also sound different because we're, we're testing out uh, our new new mobile recording capabilities, not using a computer for once, using a tiny little recorder that we got to actually get better audio from panels at C2E2 when we head out in a couple of weeks. It looks like a taser with microphones. It may be a taser. <laughs> I have attempted to apply it to my genitals. Oh, now you tell us. <laughs> I really wish I hadn't handled it earlier now. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't have it's licked it. on our table. <laughs> now you're going to get diphtheria. Ew. <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, early on, want to give a, uh, a shout out to uh, Keith, who is one of our listeners from the Chicago area, who shot us a bunch of suggestions about bookstores and comic stores in the Chicago area that we can check out since we're getting out there early. So, yeah, if uh, I don't know if any other listeners are in the Chicago area, but if you are, yeah, shoot us an email with, with anything you recommend that we check out. It's crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Although our plans have already friggin' changed. We were going to take the goddamn Amtrak out, and six days after we booked the thing, I get an email going, oh, no, an entire leg of that trip has been canceled. It's like God doesn't want us to be in a sleeper car with our head right next to a toilet. <laughs> you did this, didn't you? No. God damn it. Nothing you can prove. <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, now we're now we're flying out like regular suckers. <laughs> but definitely looking forward to it and yeah, hopefully sort of this way if the show airs then this equipment worked and we should have some good audio from the convention. There so you go. So yeah, originally we were going to talk this week uh, about the the Powers TV show on the PlayStation Network. And we are going to get to that in the future. It's just we were only able to get up to, what would we get to, episode five? Yes. And, uh, yeah, you guys weren't even, even able to get up to that. But to four. Yeah. So, and the problem is, as we were watching it, now you guys have not read the Powers comic book at all, have you? Correct. I have not. Yeah. So, part of the problem is, I initially thought, oh, great, it'll probably be like everything else and it'll cover who killed retro girl i'll lend you guys the trade and yeah we can talk about it a lot but as we're watching the show they're pulling in all these other storylines thanks from other for arcs. fucking spoiling it for me already you bastard <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that they're really gonna follow anything because yeah in the show retro girl's alive, alive. <laughs> she's sure as hell not a goddamn girl anymore <laughs> retro milf nice <laughs> <laughs> michelle forbes but my concern would be when I initially expressed interest in the series, you mentioned to just wait for the trades because they come out so infrequently. And I'm curious how they're going to keep up with a television show release uh, schedule, even if it is just a PlayStation 
exclusive. I think they're going to do the same thing that Bendis and Oming do. We'll get to episode eight, and it'll be two years before episode nine comes out. <laughs> nice. No. And then we'll be on PlayStation 8. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's it's Bendis and, and George R. R. Martin writing this thing? <laughs> See, the thing is, Bendis certainly does not lack for output, unlike George R. R. Martin. It's just he spreads himself around 16 different projects. Yeah. You know, right now, there's a Powers book coming out. I imagine that'll get to... I think I got issue two in my polls like last week or something. Yeah. So it's actually on schedule, and it will stay on schedule till about uh, issue five, and then it'll be, oh, I want to get back to Scarlet, or, oh, yeah. shit, I didn't finish up the, the Mafia book. Yeah, plus he's writing about two-thirds of fucking Marvel at this point. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, the TV show has split off enough and is dragging in stuff from enough different different storylines. Even that's a concern, because if he's... Now, he's already grabbing stuff at least from Who Killed Retro Girl and Little Deaths. If he grabs stuff from all these other things, yeah, they're going to run out of material before he can come up with new stuff. Or they're going to go off in some other tangent. Or the show will make him, you know, fat Kirkman stacks, <laughs> and he'll stop writing everything but powers. Yeah. But then again, I don't I don't even know how well PlayStation is, is doing. We're, we're able to watch the show through the largesse of others who have it but i i don't know i i've uh stopped paying attention to console wars honestly so i don't i don't really know well, <laughs> except we both know full well we, we will have the x bone in time for rock band 4 otherwise you will oh, yes. punch me repeatedly in the balls <laughs> but i'm just as happy to use the the old like first generation xbox to continue to play outlaw golf too nice <laughs> well yeah that is a sad thing if, if ever we are not able to play outlaw golf yeah. It, it, it will the be console a, becomes like just irrelevant to my interests. Yeah, at it, that will, point. it will be a sad day at the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office. I Something need to I'm, beat my caddy. That's not a euphemism. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, beat my caddy. That's a possible title. <laughs> we'll we'll go with that. Nice. But, one of the one of the, it, that does bring up kind of an interesting point lately is everybody. It's all these um, uh, uh, non-studio funded projects that are really all over the place now. I until. If, like until last week, I had no idea that Powers was even a series, uh, you know, because it's PlayStation Network. I mean, who the hell knows about that? But you extend that out even further, and you get all these things that are coming to series by all these original. You know, Netflix is doing stuff, and you know, Hulu's doing stuff. It's really an interesting time because you're all those little niche things that you couldn't get a studio to do. They're doing and. It's oh, yeah. pretty interesting. It's interesting, and it's it's awesome as long as you have access to those platforms, That's which we've been trick. pretty lucky about so far. And do not fucking call us next weekend, because <laughs> the minute we, we get home from our respective day jobs, it's Netflix and... I'll, is there caffeinated beer? There can be. I'll, I'll, drip, I'll drop no-dos into my fucking yingling. I don't care. I think you just need to Irish up your coffee. That's fine. I, I'm <laughs> capable of that. But yeah, it's going to be Netflix completely. Ne- next week's show will just be a bleary-eyed, stuttering, mumbling fucking mess because we'll have done a slow, slow. It'll be your thirtieth birthday party all over again. You'll have a pot of coffee and like a twelve-pack of Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I hope it won't be like that because then I won't remember Daredevil at all. <laughs> so that won't work out. But but yeah, I mean, it, it is cool that. There's an avenue for for all this stuff in one way or another. I mean, you guys were uh, we're not much in the way of Indiegogo contributors, or mm-hmm. you no. Know, I did the the goon contribution, and I think I'm still paying that off. But 
But what was the thing you guys were telling us about? The Nathan Fillion, Alan... Conman. Now, what is that? Because I, I have heard a little bit about it, but I don't really know what it is. It's a, um, it's a little show they're going to do, although it seems to have progressed into a larger show with all the contributions. Um, that is about a couple of guys who were on a show about outer space, and their show was canceled. Well before it's time. Well before it's time. And, you know, um, one of them has gone on to be successful in movies, the other less so, and makes a living going to conventions. Those so they completely pulled it right out of their ass. No experience. Yeah, those <laughs> fucking <laughs> idiots. No, You're supposed yes. to write what you fucking know. What are these people thinking? <laughs> so, But yeah, they've managed to, they've managed to get a, a good number of people on to the, to the project. You know, Gina, Gina Torres is on. Is signed up. Um, I don't. I, I've been lost in work for the past week, so I have not read any of the updates nice. in my email. They've so. they've they're really expanding out. They're they're going to actually probably turn into something pretty unique. Uh, so basically, it sounds like maybe the entire cast of Firefly, except for Adam Baldwin, who might be in his underwear shrieking at female gamers someplace or whatever he's doing now. <laughs> I, I would assume so. With the tinfoil. Yes. <laughs> tinfoil um. jock strap. <laughs> Uh, we don't have the sound effects here, but just imagine this, Bill Murray. I want you to protect your balls at any cost. Thanks. Yeah, so that sounds like it's interesting. You know, the other one, uh, yeah, and this may just be me because that's just me, but the uh, the other one is an Indiegogo campaign that I just contributed to. It's the Super Troopers 2 one that I am all over. I loved the first one. I don't so, think I've ever seen the first one. See, no, uh, dear I'm God, out why here. would you say such a thing? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we back up? Now Pooper it has troopers? to be viewed. Pooper Troopers. Jesus. <laughs> Bunch of Philistines. <laughs> Do you guys have a pen? We got to start writing some of these titles down. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the guys from Broken Lizard went and uh, they're doing an Indiegogo campaign to fund Super Troopers Two. They they hit they had a two, a mil, uh, two million dollar minimum um, to get the thing done, uh, and they hit that on the first day. So they're progressing. It's I think it's been about a week now at this point, and they're about three and a half million. So they're kind of progressing. Um, to getting that made so that should be entertaining you know the, i i joked about the goon thing that that really is the the only kickstarter i've really contributed to but th- that was only three years ago and that was really the first thing where hollywood or somebody was trying to get something big made and and even then they were only looking for a quarter million dollars and it took almost the entire 30 days and there was a lot of uproar at the time because it was well jesus david fincher's attached to the goon why doesn't he just write a check why do we have to write checks for it and it really is amazing how in just three years, it, yeah, these things are popping up and able to able to fund at the level of two million friggin' dollars. Well, they finally figured out that they have all these insane fans, even these little tiny um, um, shows or, or whatever. But they have a very rabid fan base. It's bigger than you'd think. So even if they hit them up for ten bucks a piece, it adds up real quick. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think Veronica Mars was probably the big that was really the proving point. one. Yeah, that was that was the one that said, "Yeah, this can actually work at a at a studio level, you know, to be able to to produce something that's of a high quality from essentially donations." <laughs> and yeah, that was the first one that really because what do they want? Two million dollars, and they wound up getting like five or six. Yeah, I thought it was more than that. It's it's possible. I had to look it up, but I, I thought it was I thought it was significant, um, significantly more than that. So it, it's cool to have all these avenues, and as long as we're continually willing to fork out for these little 
the little content distributions. I guess we can add something else to what are we paying for? Netflix, Hulu, uh, Voodoo. Voodoo. <laughs> YouTube. I mean, we don't pay for that. Yeah. It's just part of the apps that are bundled. Douche you. No, that, I'm not paying for that. Are you paying for that? Is there uh, something you want to tell me? Somebody's paying me for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of going to work like a sucker. But Oh, my. So yeah, it's, it's definitely cool that these avenues are out there. But, yeah, since it could be hard to watch some of them, you know, i.e. we couldn't get to all the powers this week, it was kind of a big week for The Flash on, was it CW? Yeah. I always forget if it's UPN or CW or whatever yeah, the fuck they, they changed it the, to. The CW it's now. the one with all of the teenagers. It, <laughs> it's the one where the Flash is and the TiVo goes out and gets it. I don't know what else is on the, the network besides Arrow. Children whinging. Children <laughs> whinging? <laughs> yes. Okay, write that one down. That's a possible title. But um, it, And even that, that is a, a major channel, a mass-produced... You know, mass media and even that pixie sticks you haven't been watching it at all have you until we we threw it on the tivo last night i I, i've been in the room when it's been on the television but i don't have patience for it it's (laughs) it's actually from a superhero show standpoint really good what isn't working for you because let's get it out of the way because we're going to talk about the last couple episodes in a minute age of the characters you know, I don't buy their age and that they're working in this major science lab. It just, I mean, they seriously, they don't even look like they're out of high school, let alone into their first years of college. But they've been hired to work at this mega science corp. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. Because they're cheap labor, because people don't go into sciences precisely because it doesn't pay, so you'd have to be young. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and in superhero universes, working in a lab like that means you're going to be exposed to terrible radiation, and you either become a superhero or grow three tits out of the back of your neck and start holding up banks. Is that why you're wearing the scarf? You go to hell. You leave my <laughs> scarf alone. I mean, I can see what you're saying, but... I mean, I mean, Flash is like, what? what is he? How old is he? And he's... He's a sidekick to the police. What? I don't understand. <laughs> foster son, but now foster si- son. Who, but foster- he goes. Well, he's not a foster son to the entire fucking Central City <laughs> Police Department, isn't he? Though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just pat him on the head and send him out for coffee. He's quick. But no, the conceit is that he grew up with uh, Joe Joe West. Joe West, who's a police detective. So do many children of police officers that doesn't mean they just take them out on cases with them randomly and and his his dad um henry um flash's dad yeah yeah he's in prison but he had been a scientist of some sort so it was in his blood to get into this sort of squint stuff to use bones terminology so (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's just sort of endemic of superhero comics these people have to be near something I think it's endemic of the CW. Well, (laughs) Well, yeah, especially when you get to whatever the the name of the newspaper is that Iris has somehow found work at as a as a rabid blogger, Um, and and you see her wearing like this like backless dress with thigh high boots. Like, really, what beat are you working? Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's the after work. Yeah. Look, she's got to do something to keep away from the fact that. She has zero fucking charisma, and there's no reason that all these people should be falling all over themselves to to get with her. Yes. 
believe me, an inner sparkling personality. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's 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 well, it's, it at, at the same time it's a little CW, but it's also really it's a little comic book. I think you know you met, Rob mentioned it last night. We were watching one of the episodes. They uh, they gotta have some kind of drama, and it usually comes from the comic book angsty, you know, young person place. Yeah, I mean it's really. Stan and Jack, early Marvel, that's where it all came from. And it, that kind of thing of how did they get in this position has been there forever. You know, why is a high school student at this horrible radioactive demonstration? Uh, I don't know, because he needs to get bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> you know, how is a 16-year-old a professional photographer for a major metropolitan newspaper? Well, because he needs to be for J. Jonah Jameson to add a little bit of drama. Johnny Storm should be entirely too young to be allowed to go on a spaceship with his older sister and her fiance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, she went on a spaceship with Beyonce? What? Oh, Jesus. That's um, in oh, another timeline. Yeah. <laughs> that's the darkest timeline. <laughs> but it's just, it, it's always sort of been there, and you have to. It, it's tricky because, yeah, reading those comics as a kid, it, you don't necessarily know. You, you can't just wandering off the street with a picture of anything and become a, a stringer photographer. The truest, I think, teenage portrayal in an early Stan Lee kind of book is Rick Jones because he's a child, so he ruins everything. That's that's why Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk. Yeah, he's a fucking show-off <laughs> douchebag who almost gets a man killed and dooms his entire life. That sounds like a teenager yeah. to me, <laughs> so they got that one right. And then we'll talk more of teenagers when we get to No Mercy later on. <laughs> Right. But see, uh, that I buy, and I actually enjoyed that. See? See? <laughs> uh, as did I, but I think on an entirely... Di- I think, uh, Pixie Six, I think you and I were rooting for different different things in that book. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Is there anything else about... Is there anything about the show that works for you? I find it to be... I, I really like it because even more so than Arrow, it, it utterly embraces... We were a comic book. I did find amusing, and I'm not familiar with the Flash, so I don't remember the character's name. Was it Lenny? The, oh, Leonard Snart. Yes. Yeah, Captain yes. Cole. That, that character um, and the actor who portrayed him, I did find quite amusing. Greatest name in, so. in superhero villainy. <laughs> Leonard Snart. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty solid one. <laughs> yeah, I forget. The, Wentworth something. Wentworth is the, Miller. Yeah. It, I think he does a, a pretty good portrayal. I always pictured Captain Cold as... A working stiff. All of the rogues are, they're thieves, but they're professionals. It's a job. So yeah, I always pictured like Harvey Keitel as Mr. White, as Captain Cold. And I'm here to do it. Okay, I've got these people on my crew, the rest of the rogues that are, you know, I work with them. We're not friends. We're professional buddies. And okay, I got to hurt somebody. Let me do that. And then let's get out of here. And now I kind of want to see a Quentin Tarantino flash. <laughs> Did you see Death Proof? It would be 30 <laughs> seconds long and then someone's leg would get torn off. Yeah. Hopefully Iris Allen's. But... <laughs> see, I, I like uh, Miller's portrayal of Snart because it's like after the particle accelerator implodes and creates all this chaos in Central City, he just embraces the ridiculousness of it. It's like, fine, I'm going to be a villain, and I'm going to be sarcastic all the time. Do you see what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I can respect. I forget who, I, I saw it on Twitter, though, when it came to 
yeah, episode before last where they introduced Golden Glider. If you have a gun that shoots gold, why the fuck are you robbing a bank? Just shoot the fucking backyard. <laughs> nice. I, I I was digging the uh, uh, the Mark Hamill piece of it. That was pretty amusing, especially how they tied in the '90s Flash series. Oh yeah. Well, and and that's kind of what I want to address today. We've we've had a, a couple of episodes in a row dealing with time travel and, and dealing with yeah potentially the the '90s series, which. Yeah, you know, I, I will admit I've only seen a few episodes of. I mean, I, we were what nineteen when it came out. Yeah, something like that. But it was they aired it on like Fridays or Saturdays, and quite honestly, yeah, I watched the pilot and maybe the first couple. Then I'm like, no, you know, somewhere out there, there's beer, <laughs> and, and and maybe some girl I can talk to. And I was half right. It was well meaning. I mean, he's like, yay, superhero show, and then you see the the ridiculous suit that they put um, West, John Wesley Ship in. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was just that was the style of the time. It was you know, no, it had no pouches. It was just ridiculous. Was, no, no, it was too early to be pouches. <laughs> no, it was uh, an attempt to do a TV show right after Batman and that original Batman suit from the 1989 movie, which was just as fucking ridiculous. It looked like a Girl Scout quilting project gone wrong. It was just like weird, puffy applique looking muscles. It was, it was just wrong. But of course it was wrong. The first Batman suit was wrong. Most, <laughs> when it comes to superhero costumes, I don't think anybody got any right until maybe Iron Man. They don't translate well. Spandex. I think Superman got his suit right in in that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, that one was relatively easy. But in general, you know, spandex. You can't put Spider Man in spandex. His balls would be dangling around, uh, and things would ride up. Conven- and... Conventions where I've seen that. <laughs> well, that and that's the problem. You can't do that on TV. So even the Flash costume in this one, it's sixty percent leather, which is you know, not known for its breathability and flexibility when running. It looks kind of cool, but nobody would freaking do that. And even then, the, the whole mask. It's a, okay, we're going to try to make this just look like a cloth cowl. And you notice they always cut. They show him reaching up to the mask, and then they do a cut of his, okay, now it's down. Because shit doesn't work that way. You can't make it one-to-one. You're, you're right. They should have gone with a jock strap and body paint. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down. Wow. Jock strap and body paint. That's not bad. But, yeah, so we've had a, a, a couple of episodes dealing with time travel and potentially the 90s TV series. Now, Amanda and I definitely have theories about what this might mean, and certainly they have teased. And that was the other cool thing, before we get into any you know, primer-level mindfuckery. The, the post-credits teaser of The Flash, I hadn't even really noticed, between Flash and Arrow, with the ancillary characters they've been coming up with over the past season or so, they really have just about the entire goddamn Justice League on TV Minus like the big three, the the big three and Aquaman, and nobody <laughs> wants Aquaman except Jason Momoa, who fucking needs this man. Otherwise, it's otherwise it's construction work. <laughs> it's, it's all he's got. I mean, a finale with Firestorm and Adam and Green Arrow and Black Canary. That's uh, you basically at the Justice League. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. You just but, need, you just need some variation on on Starman or a member of that extended family, and you've got everybody that was in like what Cry Justice. <laughs> oh God, Cry for Justice! Cry, cry don't for justice. bring up Cry for Justice. <laughs> uh, look, I, I don't think America is ready for the the Mikhail Tomas Starman <laughs> and uh, and a talking gorilla. 
Said, no, we're gonna have we're gonna we, have we have a talking gorilla. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> all right, so maybe we're almost ready for it. But or maybe maybe something happens to him in the radioactive lab and he turns into Gleek. Oh God! Yes, I will cut you. <laughs> I will come across this table and only one of us is getting back up. <laughs> Pixie Sticks was asking about the fucking Wonder Twins and I almost puked. <laughs> I think they showed up on Smallville in an episode, but Did really, they? yeah. <laughs> Because Smallville, the last three seasons, uh, I tuned out except for the Jeff Johns episodes, you know, like with Booster and yeah. with the, the JSA. They, you watch that a hell of a lot longer than I could stomach it. They started to go pretty far afield. I'm pretty sure the, the Wonder Twins showed up at some point and uh, Mixelplick. Nice. <laughs> Not no. in the same episode. I could deal with Mixelplick <laughs> if you if you do it kind of right. You know, Grant Morrison it up and make it clear that this kind of, no, they yeah. fucked it up. Uh. Th- there's a reason I don't have that <laughs> DVD set. <laughs> You know, after Pa Kent died, you know, if you if you lose Bo Duke, <laughs> basically you got nothing left. It's all gone. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a hard nut. <laughs> <laughs> but, but all right. So so back to Flash, uh, Trebuchet. What? How do you think things are gonna go forward? We've established at this point, and spoilers, by the way. Um. <laughs> We've established at this point that Professor Wells is actually the reverse Flash. Um, that we kind of knew that anyway, but now it's okay. He's taken over for him, and he's got some kind of plan to get Barry's powers to get back to the future. But we've seen time travel happen. Uh, how do you have any thoughts about how this is going to go? Honestly, I don't. It's uh, it's a really interesting play on the old time travel trope in that now we're not only we're dealing with time travelers we're dealing with body snatchers um yeah i hadn't thought about the body snatcher angle but yeah it's another classic it's 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 an interesting setup um it'll be really interesting to see if they can pull it off and have it make sense that's the other trick when you start doing with all this time travel stuff and try to take it too seriously well, it's there's there's a couple ways to take it too seriously, and one is, yeah, sixty thousand threads that you definitely try to make all fit together. The other is primer, which makes a different kind of sense every time I watch it. Yeah, and sometimes I weep and wish I had a spreadsheet to keep track of what was going on. <laughs> I don't think a network TV show that, to Pixie Sticks point, on some level is uh, traffic to children would necessarily go that route. But uh, Amanda and I were talking about it. Drunk what, in a bar. Well, that's where we talk about everything. That's where we're going to talk about shit in about three hours. But all right, so so what do you think is coming, Amanda? And and we can try and shoot it full of holes. Or... Well, I think what we want to look at, walking it back slightly, is you know we always see in 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 previous episodes and you know, the flashback to you get two speedsters fighting. We know that one of them takes young Barry and zips him out of the house. We know that um, his Barry's dad warns him to get out before that happens. This is the first time that we have seen um, with the reverse flash, he comes out of it and he is um, pre-Wells. He's the Eodard Thane or Thawne. Thrawn, yeah. There's no R in there. <laughs> I always call him Professor Zoom. I know it's a different <laughs> one, but let's just call him Professor Zoom for the sake of argument. Well, he, he comes out, though, and he's all young, is my point. He's not, he's not Wells. Correct. So... This this fight, this chasing sequence happens, in theory, 
before he body snatches Wells, which leads me to wonder if this fight is the beginning of a changed timeline. And therefore, who is the other Flash? Because it could be Barry. Barry could be, as as they use the terminology on Doctor Who, a fixed point in time, something that was going to happen at some point anyway. Um, but we learn also that Wells's technology is what makes it possible to have the particle accelerator things change radically after that. If Barry does become the Flash in that unaltered timeline, it would be not under the tutelage of Professor Zoom. It would be on his own speed at least 10 years after he would he does become it in the TV show's um, storyline. Right, because so, because Zoom says in the show that, uh, okay, you're going to create this in, what is it, 2021, and yeah. I can't wait that long. Yep. So yeah. it's definitely accelerated one way or the other. So Barry, as a flash in that timeline, may not be as jacked up power-wise as he is in this current one, if it is, in fact, Barry. Okay. So going from there, there's the possibility that somebody other than Barry is the Flash. Or if not, then how do... Historically, I suppose, the, the Zoom family is aware of, of Barry. <laughs> <laughs> of, of Barry's existence as the Flash. We, an interesting thing in, in this previous episode is Barry outs himself as the Flash to Iris' boyfriend... And he shares the same last name as Professor Zoom. So does that just carry through time? And what is that significant? Yeah, that's a possibility <laughs> that everyone just sort of, everyone in the Zoom family <laughs> knows that Barry Allen's the Flash. I suppose you could pass that secret down through the ages. And we know that Eddie isn't happy with Barry because he's been hitting on Iris. So there's the beginning on, on just the teen angsty level of just nursing. Like, you did this to our family. You yeah. screwed things up. <laughs> <laughs> so let me pour chemicals on myself and electrocute myself so I can kick you in the groin just as quickly as humanly possible. Because that's yeah, that what great like a- grandpa wanted. <laughs> That sounds like a comic book to me. <laughs> On the CW. <laughs> yeah, all right. But where, where I'm going with this is how much how much is Zoom altering the timeline since he makes such a big deal to Barry when he goes back for the very first time of of not doing anything other than retracing steps. I mean th- and when he first appears when we're, before we are supposed to officially know that he's reverse flash he has Gideon who is keeping track of whether or not that timeline's remaining constant and oh, the idea that a flash is going to appear and disappear at a particular point in time and whether or not that changes well and that point in time is crisis on infinite earths right which is an interesting thing because do we remember the the date that happened? It's been a while since we've seen the pilot, but I, it was it was five years in the future, right? Yeah, two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. So, if Wells had, in an unaltered timeline, created the accelerator in it was after two thousand nineteen, it was like twenty twenty one or something, yeah. twenty twenty five. That would have happened after Crisis, which means it's an entirely different universe, anyway. So he could have just been created the old-fashioned way, lightning storm in his chemical lab. <laughs> Flash or Zoom? Flash. Okay. <laughs> Trebuchets. Working late at night, 
on something. Trebuchets. Uh, yeah, I think we <laughs> broke his friggin' head. <laughs> Mom? <laughs> she I want to go to school today. She can't help you now. <laughs> but that's, if it ha- that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, though. You, you, you're mixing all these pieces up, but it just occurred to me, and this is just science fiction tropey stuff, is how do you have any entity in the future monitoring history from that point of view anything that happens happened end of story there is no divergence from that point of view and i've watched primer way too many fucking times <laughs> to accept the cw's writing <laughs> however <laughs> god damn it amanda <laughs> but we are talking about a dc property which means a dc universe that embraces and has almost always embraced the idea of a multiverse. So if you go with the time travel theory of every change spins off an entire other timeline and dimension, that fits perfectly into DC Comics. And it fits with their their established rules of of time travel because they went through with, um, is it the 52, just the countdown, uh, that, that Booster Gold was sort of the the star of and that that whole big thing for him was beetle was dead he was in mourning he hooked up with rex hunter who also wanted to teach him rules of time travel that booster would eventually break because also it led to bringing back his sister but only briefly because she's destined to die so even though he changed things a little bit she still died so yeah the idea of you can only make a certain that fits with the barry allen is a fixed point in time theory he was going to be the flash no matter what yeah I can kind or of there was it. going to be a flash, no matter what. Well, it, and that's a, the weird thing about the DC universe is the Flash is always at the center of any multiversal yeah. explosion. Or right from the beginning, when they did the first Flash, Flash of Two Earths, to mm-hmm. show the Golden Age Flash, Jay Garrick, you know, to show, oh, this is this other universe, to Crisis on Infinite Earths, Flash sacrifices himself to save the multiverse at least for a while. Flashpoint, which got us the new 52. So Flash is a fixed point in the DC universe makes a, a certain amount of sense. I have good ideas. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> because you, you look distressed, Trebuchet. <laughs> it, okay. Yeah. Is it gas? Is it colic? <laughs> is, is it trying to think? Because you're not very good at it. No. No. That, 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 is some, that is a lot to chew on. Well, especially for a CW show. Yeah, yeah. I've well, just imbued the show with far more depth, I think, than they intended. Well, I, I, and I got more. So, okay. I, do you think that Barry Allen is the fixed point in time, or just the Flash? My my working theory is that the Flash is a fixed point in time. I agree. Because I think, and I could be way off. Because I, I tried to pay close attention to they they slowed down that battle between the Flash, a Flash, and Professor Zoom, Thrawn, whatever, Thayorn, Thud, Professor Thud, Prawn, <laughs> Professor. Well, go to hell. <laughs> Professor Prawn's an entirely other show. Okay? Yeah, it's on Japanese TV. <laughs> Only late at night. <laughs> Champagne. Oh, oh, Jesus. Um. So I tried to watch when we watched it last night, and I couldn't really make out who was under the mask. But I think that Flash was Barry's dad. 
Go on. <laughs> I, I think the 90s Flash show is going to be put into continuity on this, and I think it was Barry's dad, who was played by the same guy who played him in the 90s show, that was that Flash. Interesting. And here, here's kind of the reasoning behind it. In a, in a couple of episodes in a row, we've seen the effect of time travel and how it can spin things wildly different, like in the death versus survival of Paco and you know, minor stuff, followed immediately by tricksters where we show oh, Mark Hamill was the trickster about 25 years ago, stopped by a different means, but the same guy. And in that episode, we've got the idea of legacy, Trickster's son, to take over for him. I think the Flash from the 1990s show tried to stop Zoom, what is it, 10 years ago in this particular timeline? And screwed up the timeline. No, No, it was more than that, because if if Barry was supposed to be 25, it would have been about 17 years ago, because Barry was eight. Okay, either way. Wasn't able to stop him. He he got his son away, but was arrested and put in jail, which would keep him away from any accident that could have made him the Flash. And now it's a completely different... So he severed his own timeline of being the Flash and put Barry to sort of... Barry. Yeah. Because... If it was Barry going back to save his mom and he's got one last second to do something, why save himself? Yeah. Except that would be at his own. So he'd be sacrificing potentially his child self in order to save his mom. Potentially. Mm. But if, if we're it... talking tricksters and time travel, I would like for Q to show up and torture them all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, interesting that you should bring that up. <laughs> Not in this story. The, what was the art you just showed me? Francovilla art that was um, Green Lantern and Star Tr- the Enterprise. Oh yeah, they the just background. announced it at WonderCon <laughs> this weekend. There's going to be a, a Green Lantern Star Trek crossover. What? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I can't dial it up right now, but I'll, I'll show you the art. Um, and it was interesting to to start with. Because uh, basically, it's a big Green Lantern logo with the Enterprise flying through it at an angle. But somebody, it might have been Jeff Johns, pointed out on Twitter, said, take a look at that picture and see what's not there. And there's a void in the star field in the shape of the Federation logo. Huh. So we definitely have, uh, there's another case of multiverses and things happening and not happening. Yes. I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan in the world. I like it, but uh, that one looks like fun. Particularly since it looks like old, uh, the old Enterprise. Yeah, it did. You know, cocky Hal Jordan and fucking Captain Kirk. Yeah, I kind of want to see them throw (laughs) down. That'd be fun. Ryan Reynolds and Chris Pine. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah, here's here's the picture. It's on Kotaku. Nice. (laughs) Or even better, Guy Gardner versus Picard. Oh, they drive each other insane. Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to get back to the Flash, there's got to be holes in that theory. Anybody want to try to shoot any in them? Don't all talk at once. I don't think I'm capable right now. <laughs> but that is really interesting, mostly because you're right. I hadn't really honestly hadn't paid attention. I did not realize that... Uh, the actor was the same guy who did the Flash in the 90s. 
Oh, yeah. He doesn't look the same as he did, but now that you mention it. (laughs) Which one of us does? uh, (laughs) I do. I'd have to lose about a third of me to look even remotely like I did. But that makes a hell of a lot of sense, especially where they are actively tying in stuff from 20 years ago into, into, into their own canon. So that is an interesting concept. Because, yeah, and I'm just going back through. I, I took drunken notes on the whole theory when Amanda and I were arguing about it in the bar a few days ago. Yeah, if, if the accelerator was going to be built in 2021, that's after crisis, which means maybe none of them exist. So there'd almost have to be a flash before crisis. Yeah. But if the accelerator wasn't created until after crisis, it couldn't have been Barry necessarily. So it'd have to be somebody else. Hmm. Yeah. Certainly not a Barry with the same level of power that he that he is demonstrating now because nobody would have taught him how to run quite that fast. Yeah. Oh, and fucking Tina McGee was was mm-hmm. in this show. Tina McGee's in the show. And Tina McGee was Amanda Pays. Yeah, and she that character in the TV show was the John Wesley Ship Flash's version of Doctor Wells, who was trying to teach him and built the suit for him. And and, and here, Wells wants to go after her tech. Yeah, so here she's in the same universe, same name, same person, wound up in a different place. Because what would have happened is if 1990 John Wesley Ship Flash fought Reverse Flash was unable to save his wife but saved his son and was imprisoned, that Flash's timeline stops. That Flash's timeline potentially never happened. Because we also have never addressed, so Flash came back. Where is he? (laughs) Wandering around and we don't ever see him. So We don't ever see him and it's not really referenced at all except for the Tina McGee character and the trickster in this latest one. Yeah, and it would also explain why Mark Hamill would be willing to come back to shoot an episode of this little CW show you know, while he was probably busy shooting a little sci-fi movie somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would imply maybe he's got more of a future in it. Yeah. There were, his His work was just restrained enough. I mean, there was a certain amount of scenery chewing. But there were a couple of moments when he was just getting into just the character and and not quite emoting the Joker, but enough. And I just want for your consideration, just underneath the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think anybody's going to get an Emmy for playing the trickster. He should. I mean, I suppose you can you can look at the Joker in the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger's Oscar. (laughs) He won for that, right? I don't know. I'm pretty drunk on Oscar nights. I don't (laughs) because it's a night, but. But yeah, I, mean, I really think that battle with Reverse Flash, where Barry is saved and his mother is killed, eliminated the original Flash's timeline, but it still existed. It's just now, okay, we're in this different place. So it allows them to reference, and as much as you can honor a bomb 1990 TV show, honor what was done there and say, yep, that's a thing that happened while still moving in their own direction. And that's more of a Chris Pine Star Trek where, okay, this event happened, so everything that happens from here on out, all that stuff happened, but now it's a completely different thing. And I think it's it's kind of interesting if that's the way it goes. And I could be completely off base because I'm sure people will say, yeah, but they found Barry Allen's blood at the 
seeing, well, if Barry lived there, maybe it was from something else, but that could shoot a big hole right in it. And again, just because I wasn't able to notice in the slow motion and really say, yep, that's Grant Justin. Justin. Justin, whatever. It's like you don't know how to pronounce GIF. It's <laughs> GIF. I know. <laughs> nice. Billy fuckface. Billy fuckface flash. <laughs> God damn it. Eyebrow flash. <laughs> Forgot what I, I was saying flash. now. Barry's so, blood at the scene. Yeah, so, and yeah, somebody could send us a freeze frame and go, no, that's clearly Grant Gustin. <laughs> okay, well, it's fucked up, but I think it holds together. And I think it's really cool that if the, it's cool that this little teenage show has at least enough going on that you can kind of make these kind of connections. I mean, I've enjoyed the show from the beginning, but now it's like, okay, you've really potentially got some shit going on. And they could stomp on their dicks and fuck it all up and say, no, you're wrong. It's what you thought right from the beginning. And Barry goes back in time, but I'd love to see in the finale, Barry goes back in time, fights reverse Flash with his father as the Flash. <laughs> That'd be right. Because it's also, I don't know what, do- number one, is Barry... A nickname for any particular name? Does anybody know? Bartholomew. Is it? No. I think he's just called Barry. <laughs> because his father is Henry. I don't know if that's yes. a... Barry's a nickname for Henry. I don't no. know. No. Okay, well, fuck that. <laughs> I can't be right about everything. I'm rarely right about anything. But but yeah, he, he was a doctor of something. I think what may happen, even though I like the guy playing Dr. Wells, is if I'm right about any of this and they wipe out Reverse Flash and exonerate Barry's father, he takes the Dr. Wells role. Yeah. That, that could that could happen. It's just a theory. I got a million of them. <laughs> hmm. Okay. <laughs> I mean, could anybody, anybody want to shoot holes in it, or we could just leave it at that and go talk about comic books? I That's, think I have to leave it at that for the moment. Because like you're it, it, talking to the microphone. They, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the other. I'm reading and doing things. I, I think they've they've set it up. The question I think is whether they're going to be able to knock it down. Um, they. I don't. I can't find anything to say otherwise in your theory. However, um, it is the CW. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So the writers on that are probably working for scale. At least for the moment. <laughs> uh, John Wesley ship might be showing up for a hot meal. It's hard to say. It's true. And I never thought I'd reach the point in my life where, wow, the biggest name on this is really Mark Hamill. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, the, the likelihood is they'll find some easy way out. And, you know, Barry being younger will somehow have held in his cells more of the speed force than... than wells so he's able to zip back to his future leaving wells stranded in the past but i also would wonder if they would want to leave on an ending that would perpetuate this loop which leads to wells um well zoom murdering wells because that's not justice for wells yeah, and I think it's pretty clear, well, just based on the flash forwards, the, the teaser images that we got from future episodes, well, I, I say it's clear, but it's at least strongly implied they find Wells' skeleton. So he's well and truly dead, at least in this timeline. And, and that could shoot the whole, shoot holes in the entire thing. If he goes back and they're able to stop him before killing Barry's mom, and it turns out 
uh, that John Wesley ships that, that Flash's dad it was never the well. It, it could shoot holes and all. Like I said, it's just a theory. I'm making this shit up as I go. I don't get paid enough to take this fucking Inquisition, <laughs> you sons of bitches. Pretty colors. I think you just <laughs> you just channeled the writers' room at the CW. It's possible. <laughs> Call me, except, yeah, don't call me. I shouldn't be allowed to write anything longer than a dick joke. But. Flash dick joke. <laughs> that'll okay get us kicked off. Holes. People with golden guns robbing banks. Damn, it's a comic book. I'll accept that all day long. I'll seek it out. I'll pay hundreds of dollars a week for it. Well, Cisco somehow made that gun, which means somehow Cisco has cracked alchemy. <laughs> Isn't there a Dr. Alchemy somewhere in the DC Rogues Gallery? Yeah, but it's not Cisco because he becomes Vibe, and that's a whole other set of sadness. That oh, will... please go. Don't let him become Vibe. Son of a bitch. I like him as he is. He's he's awesome in this show. Don't become Vibe. Okay. Friends don't let friends become Vibe. <laughs> nice. All right. So those are our, our theories. That I think the show has definitely moved into an area that it was not to start with and it's always been fun so yeah where it was always something oh okay that's on tonight that's cool i'm actively looking forward to it so fuck it let's talk about some comic books okay. which comic book do we don't want to talk about first we got three this week i think we should start with doctor who because we've been talking about time travel all right so so this is i think the i think it's just doctor who the ninth doctor number yep. one uh, written by Kevin Scott with uh, art by Blair Shedd. Uh, so yeah, in this uh, issue, the Doctor takes Rose Tyler and Captain Jack Harkness to Xcroft. It's a planet uh, should be in the midst of a renaissance, uh, except it's gone full Alderaan. It's fucking gone. Uh, TARDIS gets picked up by a ship uh, loaded up with what looks like space marines from Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> they manage to escape custody just in time for the space marines to get attacked by space centaurs. I swear to God, the, the British are very fucking different than you and me. <laughs> anyway, so Rose picks up uh, tachyon inhibitor, which I think is a technical term for MacGuffin. Uh, doctor makes a friend, then there's an escape just as the ship blows, except then he realizes he forgot something kind of important. So, yeah, thoughts on this book? It was nice to see Eccleston back, even if it was in print. Yeah, I've said before, if I have a Doctor, it's Eccleston. That's half why I was like, yeah, okay, pick this one up, because we don't normally follow the Doctor Who comics. Yeah. Because it feels like there's four million of them. But... Well, well, there's one for each of them. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the the comic book, in part, serves fan service for those that feel they have a Doctor. And so you you follow that comic. Well, which is smart marketing, I suppose. I don't know. For me, the the first thing that jumped out of me reading this on the very first page in the bottom panel, the first depiction of Rose Tyler, she looks kind of like a grinning monkey. <laughs> yeah, or, something funky is going on yeah, with her mouth she's there. Yeah, very British teeth. She looks like there. some kind of significant chromosomal yeah, some defect. Sort of growth or something. It's not just the teeth. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably in general. Uh, beyond that, most of the depictions are are not bad. You can tell who everybody is, but. Yeah, there's a certain level of photo reference. There, there are one or two panels where it looks like Captain Jack's being administered the shocker. They're right there. <laughs> yeah. Like this one on page here. one. Page one. Bottom. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because I'm, I'm looking at the bottom of page one right now as you speak, and uh, it when I first read it, I wasn't aware that it was Jack Harkness until probably five or six pages in. Um, 
because it's it's not quite as obvious. You, you didn't read a, the back of the cover page. I really. don't read the back of the cover pages ever. Actually, where it says Captain yeah. Jack. Yeah. Well, <laughs> previously in bold thirty-two point type. Yeah. No, I, that's no, that's out of my peripheral view. So, but he in this one he looks like kind of a little like Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> Wow, so I, was a little, uh, I was a little taken aback by that. I think I figured out what's wrong with Rose's face in that bottom panel on page one. Yes, she, she's clearly got um, a wad of chewing tobacco between her her lips and gum. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> wad of chewing tobacco. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But um, I thought I thought it was a very doctor esque story. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it, it was. It was. Especially an Eccleston story, actually. Um, I, I don't see that working with Tenet. Well, see, the thing is, big chunks of it, I think, would. Um, clearly, clearly, Scott has this idea of... Ultimately, we're, we're going to wind up, as this goes on, there will be some big speech from the Doctor about why weapons are terrible and the terrible shit that he saw in the Time War... Which is fine. Um, and considering that Jack Harkness was known to use weapons, fine. It's a good way to get into that as any. But the Ninth Doctor's run to me was... There was a mystery about the Doctor's pain. You knew he saw shit in the Time War. Because that's the first time we ever heard about it. Yep. The characterization was, I've gone through this and now I'm trying to get past it, but I'm haunted by it. And it worked on a mysterious level seeing exactly what happened it's it's shit that we went we've we seen it in day of the doctor you know, i'm not necessarily interested in seeing the, a version of christopher eccleston wax long and rhetoric about how terrible the time war was even eccleston himself didn't want to come back for day of the doctor <laughs> to do that himself so i don't think it adds much to the character it's certainly valid and now that we understand what happened, it's uh, okay. Now we can tell stories, including that. Well, I think though it sets tone for those people who may have been under a rock for Day of the Doctor, um, or dropped out after Eccleston became tenant. This is still their Doctor, and he—that's how he would behave. That seems like a really limited demographic to me, considering the rising popularity from Eccleston's single season through Tenant into Smith. The. Or as quick exposition, in case you forgot that he's tormented and haunted by the war, let's just drop this one little conversational point in, and then we'll move on with our lives. Well, if if it's just a conversational point, except I, I doubt that's going to be the case because they've got they've got Jack asking him, "What did you mean by that?" So they've already tried to revisit his initial comment once. So it it, it seems like a pretty good indicator they're probably going to keep doing it until. We get a quarter-page spread of him staring <laughs> haunted into the sky. No, I hate the guns. Not the guns. Yelling out in his sleep, Daleks, no. <laughs> <laughs> bad touch, Daleks, bad touch. Show me on the adipose where he touched you. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's an interesting point, because I always enjoyed Rose as a companion, and I, I've certainly been vocal about my dislike of Clara. But oh I, yeah, okay. Now we're going particularly in the home office. But um, it's been pointed out online, and they're not entirely wrong. If you're irritated with Clara, then you really shouldn't like Rose either, because they're both equally self-involved <laughs> and make poor choices that become like now you have to like 
treat her as damsel and save. Yes. Yeah, you got a point there. And and we're certainly seeing that in in this issue. <laughs> the, the put the what the hell is it? The the tachyon inhibitor on. Yeah. Oh, what's this? Oh, it releases you from cause and effect. Why am I glowing? What why the fuck do you think you're glowing? You just put this thing on that you don't know what it is. Let's go back to why teenagers suck. So, okay, now you've given a teenager a bracelet that releases them from the the consequences of cause and effect. I mean, I definitely want one, <laughs> but I don't particularly want to glow. Although I thought that was a nice little uh, that was a nice little one-line joke. Why was I glowing? I don't know. New foundation? All right, that was kind of funny. <laughs> nice. I like that. But I mean, the one thing that got me is and, and this is just, this is just for me trying to watch the show when I was a kid. I get that the BBC has always had a limited special effects budget. This is a comic book. You have an unlimited budget. Why do we have space centaurs, for fuck's sake? Why not? Because in a comic book, you can pull that off. You couldn't possibly pull that off on BBC budget. <laughs> oh, I suppose you... <laughs> all right. And there were certainly things that were larger than... You'd get it. Part of that, I'm sure, is just prejudice. I, I still get that feeling watching the new ones where the special effect is special effects are really generally pretty solid. But I always flash back to not canines cardboard, man. It's a cardboard <laughs> thing on top of a Radio Shack remote control car. We all know it. Why are we fucking around with this? And if those space centaurs were actually built by uh, the BBC props people, it would be galvanized aluminum pipe with like a fake wig and 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 fake fur it would look like like marvin the robot but just sadder if they were smart they <laughs> if they were smart they'd call a rod he'd bring his own homemade costume <laughs> <laughs> thank you folks i'll be here all i won't be here all week i don't live here but <laughs> damn right but it's, it, it was not bad and it looks like a, a decent beginning to a, a decent little doctor who tale it's it's nice to see some kind of version of eccleston again but man i do not want it. I, I'm dreading the, <laughs> the Christopher Eccles. I've seen things you humans wouldn't believe. <laughs> Radio Shack remote control cars on fire in the corner of the studio. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anything else on this one? No. Just, I, I enjoyed having Eccleston back at least for a little bit. I will take it. Right up until he starts speechifying. Then I'm in the wind. <laughs> Which one we uh, want to do next? Uh, I'm easy. Somebody pick. Well, I think Convergence continues to stick with the, if not time travel, then at least multiple multi- <laughs> universe. Yeah. All right. So Convergence number zero. Not technically the beginning of Convergence, but a, a nice teaser of what's coming up. Uh, written by Dan Jurgens and Jeff King. Uh I keep forgetting who Jeff King was, so I had to Google it right before the show. And uh, he was a writer on Stargate SG-1 and Continuum, but also on uh, Due South and Tia Carrera's Relic Hunter. So wait, wait, we're... wait, back up. There's something called Tia Carrera's Relic Hunter? Uh, yes. There was, and it was not <laughs> pornography. Wait, what the hell did I watch? That, <laughs> <laughs> that was Titty Carrera's. Oh, it was her right. doppelganger. But... Champagne Bukaki. <laughs> I can't use that either. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Um, Art on this, uh, Ethan Van Sciver. So in this one, Superman is apparently Brainiac's prisoner. He's somewhere out of time. Brainiac has been testing Superman and erasing his memory over and over again. 
maybe because Superman always seems to defeat death, and when universes die, he's always like the last one standing. So Brainiac shows Superman moments from pretty much all of DC's history and cities from every known DC universe, wants him to pick one, except maybe it's not Brainiac, it's actually the living planet Superman's on. Then there's some master that's a universal god machine that's gone for the new 52 Earth, and I'm, I'm really not entirely sure what's going on in this. I blame I'm Grant not, Morrison somehow. I'm not going to bullshit <laughs> you. I, I, I've been reading DC Comics since I was five years old, and part of the cool thing about this is because I've been reading DC for a while was some of the older stuff that was shown in here or at least teased. You know, we've got the multiple depictions of Brainiac mm-hmm. yeah, that just sort of change almost panel to panel, which I initially thought was cool because it just seemed to be a thing that was happening without Superman noticing, except I went back and reread it. And the very first one, he sort of said, who are you? Where's the first guy? Kind of ruined the effect for me. But it was still nice to see all those depictions to remind how long this character's been around. And uh, I like the big Escher sort of dis- depiction of multiple cities mm. on that double page spread. Because, I mean, just in one, I picked out uh, Golden Age Superman, the the Daily Star building, uh, the classic Daily Planet from Pre-Crisis, Earth-S for W-H-I-Z, so that's Shazam's world, that mangled Statue of Liberty, that's Commandi's world. A couple other pages, we've got the Statue of Liberty with a swastika, which is uh, Freedom Fighters, Mm -hmm. uh, Earth-X, I think. Um, Honestly, the, the big... Luther-looking building, the L, the yeah. penis-shaped building. I don't know what that's from, but... Uh, that's the uh, Earth penis. Earth penis? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trebuchet lives on that world. <laughs> he just comes to visit us from time to time. But, so, I mean, it, it's nice to see some of these things that I haven't seen for a long time and as a tease for some of the stuff that might come up with Convergence. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of this. I must be because, yeah, we... Amanda and I told the owner of our local comic store we're doing the full New 52. Give us all the issues of Convergence. I want to see everything that that they do to see what comes out of it and make some choices. Yeah. But, I mean, Pixie Sticks, you've not read a ton of DC Comics. No. And have not read a ton of New 52. Did this do anything for you at all? No. (laughs) I, no, I, I mean, I, you know how I feel about the whole multiverse thing. I can't. It's, it's all a big marketing scam to sell more books, in my opinion. Um, it's not your opinion. That's exactly <laughs> what they're fucking hoping for. So, I just, again, it's one more thing I don't have patience for. Um, the the multiple timelines, the multiple universes. I yeah, and also I was confused by where is this this piece of equipment that superman is chained to was very confusing there were a couple of like i like i don't know is is it part of this giant brainiac brainiac's body like where i don't understand where what he's attached to i I, i'm speculating here i think what jurgens and king were going for would was sort of the this this particular frame here is he is he attached to this giant robot's crotch i don't know (laughs) No, that's Trebuchet. God damn it, keep up with it. And I think he was going for sort of the disjointed Manchurian candidate feel of bouncing from situation to situation, you know, almost psychedelic. How did I get here? There's nothing here. Oh, there's water. How did I not notice that? So I don't think we it, we necessarily have to figure 
I don't think we're meant to to figure out. Okay, linearly he starts here and moves to here and moves to here. You know, clearly there was a jump, and that did throw me. You know, you turn the page and he's all right. Now suddenly he's fucking chained to something. But yeah. once I sort of decided, okay, this is what the effect is going to be. It bothered me less, but I I can see how that would be a problem because yeah, it jolted me the first time we, the first time I turned the page and saw it. So I'm, so I'm just I, fixated on the idea of he, he's. A parasite on Brainiac's crotch. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> we all. Crabs. I think we all agree. Yeah, super crab. Super. I want to write that down. <laughs> super herpes. <laughs> it's a space herpy. <laughs> I mean, one thing that struck me is Superman's kind of a dick in this. Yes. He's constantly shrieking. You have to send me home. You can't do this. Just punch Brainiac in the face instead of trying to figure out what's going on. Just blast away with his heat vision. He wasn't a fun Superman. No. Just trying to punch his way out of every situation, which always and and again with the new fifty two, they've tried to fuck around with Superman. I think Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder with a uh, Superman Unchained did a lot to roll him back more toward classic. But I suppose this is somewhat new fifty two ish characterization. Super, like, <laughs> super what? That, that 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 new power that he's got, where apparently he can like just sort of like oh the go solar Nova. the solar flare. <laughs> Yeah, and then he's just a normal Joe for 24 hours. Yeah. I would be super flaring in the toilet every morning so I could get properly drunk in a bar without my <laughs> metabolism fucking it up every night. As opposed to the weird manual flaring that Trebuchet does. Rob, you seem to have melted your toilet again. <laughs> it's the seventh toilet this week. Yeah. Sorry about that. Fix it while I'm at the bar. So, yeah, as pure nostalgia, some of this stuff worked for me. But, yeah, as a story, again, I've I've been reading New 52, although I've not been necessarily following Superman closely because Scott Lobdell was writing it for a while. But I did read most of Superman Doomed, which I think this is an interlude toward. And I still had to stop and go, when, when did this happen? What version of Real Docs are we talking about? You know. So, yeah, I mean, for, for new readers like pixie sticks or even lapsed readers who sort of tuned out of the new 52 you know i think they're gonna be going i'm not entirely sure what this is no i mean it felt for me you know not reading not reading really much in the dc universe um it actually felt a little reminiscent of the um most recent sandman issues okay um where it's a similar sort of thing where there's multiples of him and trying to figure out what's going on and why he's dying and yeah so it felt that there was a little similarity there but well if you're gonna lift uh, i guess lift from the best although yeah yeah, the the latest sandman is not doing nearly as much for me as i was hoping for but um so beware what you wish for because eventually there'll be new miracle man (laughs) (laughs) shit but i mean yeah, as as a nostalgia machine, it was not bad. But I mean, looking forward to to convergence, you know, the the last few pages of this issue are okay. Here are all the universes we're going to be touching. There's fucking nine different Gotham cities we're going to be seeing. Yeah, the, which is fine. But there's only five metropolises, and Superman is the oldest character they've got. Well, it just I mean, comes down to like what kind of st- what kind of stories are they going to get out of this that are going to be worthwhile? And even if this is some effort to streamline, there's always going to be some excuse to bring back something 
if a story needs it in the future. Yeah, they've yeah. always found a way to bring back the the stuff that they feel that they need, even post crisis when they were really for for years, probably fifteen years. It's like, nope, it is one Earth, no matter what, and only Psycho Pirate knows the difference. <laughs> and see, yeah, that that's always going to be the problem for me it, with the new Fifty Two. Even after Fifty Two, where they officially ish said, yeah, there's a multiverse and there's Fifty Two Earths. You know, my even though growing up as a kid, I read pre-crisis stuff. Crisis was when I got really excited about DC because everything. Okay, there's only one thing you have to worry about. There's one continuity. We'll we'll see what comes out of this. I never want to give up on DC. Uh, New Fifty Two has not really worked for me, with the exception of a couple titles, and and even with those, man, Snyder better stick the landing on Batman Endgame because <laughs> right now it's like uh, I don't know. This is. Between zero year and this, you, you might have lost me. The Mecha Bunny suit is not giving me um, a lot of hope. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but you know. yes, Mecha Bunny suit. <laughs> we'll, we'll show okay. you a picture later. It's a. Uh, it's like Batman uh, meets RoboCop, fucks meets the, the Easter Bunny. <laughs> yeah, meets a tick. Yeah, he's got tick ears. Kinda. <laughs> it's really not great, okay. but. Yeah, the, the, he's got these antenna that are supposed to be evocative of a bat, but they're not. They're really more bunny-like or possibly tick <laughs> antenna-like or even worse, Pokemon Pikachu-like. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, dear. Make my Killed marvel. Killed my parents. <laughs> Pika. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, I think ultimately, you know, yeah, sort of a here's a taste of what you might get with various different DC timelines and you it's not bad as a little bit of nostalgia it's certainly i doubt it's going to wind up being essential because yeah by the time it's all said and done yep he's just sort of out and yep. everything moves on so we'll, we'll see what happens but i i don't if you've not picked it up uh, and but are still interested in convergence it's probably not necessary probably not but on the other hand if if superman has been grabbing you and whatever is leading up to this is grabbing you. It's probably not the worst thing to pick up. Superman has not been grabbing me. It's been touching me very inappropriately. <laughs> that's why you drink. No, that's not why you drink. You drink anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a serious addiction problem. All right. No Mercy. No Mercy. All right. No Mercy, number one, uh, written by Alex DeCompi, uh, art by Carlos Speed McNeil. I can tell we're going to talk about this one for a few minutes. Um, uh, my summary I wrote down was a bunch of irritating American teenagers go on a trip to Central America to build churches and their resumes uh, to get into Princeton. Uh, bad shit happens to them, and I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody would like to summarize more accurately, I, please I feel summarize. free. I, I, I will so add to accurate. that and just say not enough bad happens to these <laughs> people. <laughs> so, yeah. Amanda, I know you really like this book, and I, I did enjoy it, potentially for different reasons. I think there's a lot of potential here. I think you liked it more than I did. Why don't you start the, the discussion? Well, I think, all right, so we spent a, a very large chunk of the, the opening of the show talking about how teenagers are deaf. And Indeed. <laughs> and they're angsty, and, and that's what stations like the CW uh, use to, to market their programming. There There's a lot of similar things happening here this is a, obviously a very teenage centric book given the large number of of teenagers here they all have very 
typical behaviors you have um, you know, the, the kids who are just there to to build things for their college resume you've got a girl who just got her first iPhone so we have one of the few examples actually of of subtle use of social media interspersed in here without it being too in your face which I thought was nice yeah you you brought that up uh, when we were talking earlier and and I agree and in, in most books, when you see social media, it becomes a storytelling device to the point where it's instead of dialogue or what's happening in the visuals. Whereas here, it's, yeah, just sort of, it enhances and comments, but it's it's really sort of happening as much in the background as anything else, which felt more realistic. That's the way yeah. people, well, reasonably well-adjusted people anyway, <laughs> treat social media. It's a thing to comment on your life, not... Let me describe my life here so so I don't have to speak. Well, in, in, a, in a little bit of a tragic sense, this girl is going down a rabbit hole of, this is my first Twitter. I mean, and and, she, and she, it's like her thought balloons, like where, where everybody else is having conversations, she's just tweeting. Um, Actually, yeah, as thought balloons, <laughs> it, it works pretty well here. So, But given what ends up happening, spoilers, um, there's a horrific uh, bus accident, and this girl's older sister ends up what appears to be critically injured. So the last moments leading up to this, she was not actually connecting with her sister, the human being. She was going down the social media rabbit hole. Right. And, and in a sense of karmic justice, she busted her fucking iPhone. Yes. 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 Uh, but I, I think in terms of characters, you've got um, you know, the, the loner kid who's got like the Unabomber uh, hoodie going on. You've got... Um, the girl that's the weird kid that nobody wants to talk to who also seems to be a cutter and her brother's a douche. Um, that was an interesting... I didn't pick up on the cutter piece. <laughs> yeah, when she goes to find the uh, briefcase that the nun's uncle-in-law or whatever had... Um, uncle-in-law. There's... Isn't that a, a sugar daddy, basically? <laughs> it's right here. She's oh, yeah. clearly oh, okay. all marked up. Okay, um, I missed that. And... And then we find out there's like this whole cocaine thing going on. This is like uh, romancing the stone, but with teenagers. <laughs> well, which I can, which I can kind of see. Like waiting for somebody to show up and say they're Helen gone from Cartagena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in romancing the stone, even the drug dealers, and uh, uh, who was it? Uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? The Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. At least that was a relatively redeemable character. All of these people deserve to die. End <laughs> <laughs> scene. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I'd, I'd come somewhat close. At, look, Charlene, the cutter, she's the only one who comes off well here. Yeah. You know, she speaks the locals' language. She's willing to engage with the locals beyond, you know, taking fucking douchebag Instagram photos and just being condescending. Uh, because the brother was made to bring her, she seems to be the only one there who's not whoring for Princeton early admission. But also, it, part of the problem is it, it's it's like DeCompi went over the top and, and said, okay, and we'll have the brother just be a constant, relentless fucking cock to her. She's already the only one that I liked, even remotely. But now there's just this extra level of nastiness around her. Well, I'm wondering how... Yeah. how- Far into like Lord of the Flies, they're going to go. I mean, there's still some adults around, but that's what happens when they all crash land on the island in Lord of the Flies. You've got Piggy, who is sympathetic, but easy easy target for the the more alpha characters on the island. 
you're supposed to sympathize with that character. Yeah, you're supposed to want to watch. You're you're supposed to be angry at the douche character. You're supposed to want that person to have some level of comeuppance. (laughs) Well, but that's part of the problem beyond this one character. I'm not sure I, I wish them dead, but I was happy to see them injured. <laughs> I mean, I, I recognize these types, the, you know, the overly enthusiastic, you know, oh, I'm twee chick with the fucking Instagram <laughs> and the, oh, the the well-traveled freegan, you know, which is only a thing that you get in the 2010s and the 80s, <laughs> be wearing fucking moccasins and playing Wish You Were Here on their fucking acoustic guitar and be equally full of shit. Totally in the interest of getting laid, but, you know, and you've got the dude who's he's doomed to be a frat kid to major in poli sci to get some low-level, you know, secure government gig or, or maybe run for a low-level office. I mean, I know that guy. He was my freshman fucking roommate in college, <laughs> you know. So they're all characterized well. They are people I recognize, but they're people I fucking hate so I rooted for the bus to go over the fucking cliff <laughs> and raise the general IQ of the United States of America. Are you also rooting for the coyotes that show up at the end? I am totally rooting for the coyote. I hope they fucking eat well tonight and sleep the sleep of the just. But this is just the first issue. We've got characters we've been barely introduced to, like, yeah, Death Ray, Unabomber, Stare Kid, <laughs> who all we know is he's got an intense stare. There's a bunch of other, we could get more redeeming characters to step up, but yeah, beyond Charlene, uh, yeah, they're fucking teenage cannon fodder. I I hope Jason Voorhees comes and chops him. (laughs) I hope that's issue two. I hope Leatherface arrives. I enjoyed it because I think it's a great example of what we can do with comics that aren't necessarily capes and cowls. I, I think it's of an effective method of storytelling about this particular group of teenagers. Yeah. There's going to be characters there that you're not necessarily going to relate to. We've had this conversation under the vein of not everything's for me. Yeah. 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 But I think for someone looking for a different story and who's looking for something, a younger reader who's looking for something more relevant to their interests and aren't superhero folks, this is a great book for them to get into. And also um, just a shout out to the Carla Speed McNeil art. I I loved Finder, the Finder. I, I, I'm glad to see her work again. So it's, I think it's great that this book is out. <laughs> yeah. It, look, I, I'm willing to cop to it, it is effective. Again, these are characterizations of people I've known. So that's, it's a weird <laughs> giveth and taketh away that I, that I think these are well-written characters. I just hate them. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the writing was effective because it filled you with rage. Yes. <laughs> but again, it's like you said, I may not be the target audience to this. Yeah, you know, there's enough compelling going on if there's just a, a couple three people that I can pull for, maybe I'll get fully invested in it. But right now there's just the one. And the level of douchebaggery was so high around her. It's like, yeah, okay. Nothing of value was lost. They went over the cliff. <laughs> you were about to say something. <laughs> Um, well, well, the other character that I did not notice anything, um, do we have a name for this? Let's see. Deshaun. Um, there's a black boy named Deshaun and a couple of the other, the white, uh, teenagers assume he's a football player. He's a basketball player. He's this, he's that. And 
you know, making all these assumptions about him. And he's clearly irritated with them and their assumptions. And I don't see him being nasty like the other kids. So he may end up being a good character to follow as well. Um, but also the letter at the end by the writers mm. I thought was interesting. Um, they talk about what they, you know, were setting out to do with this comic. And I, I think they accomplished it really well. You know, they the line here about... Um, uh, you know, teenage girls interacting outside of a school classroom and how it was the most dramatic and heart-stopping moment on earth and how that's the way things are when you're a teenager. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it, it, I enjoyed the comic and then when I read that letter at the end, I, it made me even more interested in continuing with this. And it's in the right context. You would expect that level of, of teenage drama in a story about teenagers. You aren't expecting right. necessarily that level of teenage drama yeah. in Star Labs. So yeah, and they're, that's the, they're on Fair a enough. yes, they are on a trip, a summer trip to build up their resumes for college, and doing things that actual teenagers do, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, and for me, having been a chaperone on on trips with teenagers, the the paragraph where they talk about the element of American exceptionalism, there's nothing more cringe-inducing than finding yourself in a restaurant in Rome with kids demanding extra cheese on something that has been crafted to be this this balance of you know what's it's it's good food. Stop asking for things. So just, yeah. just just eat your food. <laughs> well, well, well. I have not been a chaperone on a trip, but I have been a teenager on a trip, and it's safe to say that if I could go back in time, <laughs> and standing see, on a table it, and waving your hands, hoping to get a waiter's attention. Yeah, if I could run at light speed and go back in time, uh, I and I saw my own train going off a cliff, I wouldn't save me. <laughs> And maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe it's, uh, yeah, okay, I can, you know, I remember being like that. Yeah, at least kids, some of them. We gave the kids two hours for free lunch. Go do what you want. You can, they all went to McDonald's. <laughs> now, now, granted, I'm the one going off to a, to a, you know, cafe with, on like a, like stone, like, at a Palazzo, whatever. I'm screwing yeah. this up. Thank you. I'm looking at things that have like brains on the menu. I'm ordering that. They didn't have it, but I ended up getting like an affogato with scotch and vanilla ice cream, which was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> as long as there's booze involved, that's fine. But I like to believe that I was I was quiet in what I was looking for. I wasn't being that American, I hope, <laughs> at least before the scotch. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. Extra cheese on my scotch. <laughs> right, yeah, extra cheese on my scotch. <laughs> Um, but you know that's this also for me. It's like there memories that come back. It's like, oh, you're doing that again. Stop doing that. That thing you're doing. Stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, to me, my it, again, it, it's a testament to how well written these characters are. My reaction to a large part of the book can be boiled down to the moment Freegan Kid said, <laughs> "You have to come to me with Burning Man. You'll get it." And I almost shrieked at the page, you're history's greatest monster. I'll fuck your holes. <laughs> this is why we go to a bar on Halloween rather than leave you there for the kids. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. It, it, it's a weird position to be in. The, the characters will, were well written. It is an interesting scenario. I'll check in for another one or two. Show me a couple redeeming characters. Because I 
look back at myself as a teenager and I, I I'm disgusted, but <laughs> there were worse than me. There show me some that were better than me. I mean, okay, maybe I can pull for you. But I mean, yeah, right now just a bunch of entitled Americans with cell phones. Yeah, let the coyotes feast. And in it, it's also not an exposition heavy story. This is very character driven. So. Yeah. That's that's definitely also a plus in its favor. We're not yeah. getting a lot of front loading of story. Yeah. yeah. But again, the step back, if I read it and it's like, nope, I hate all of them, that's fine. All right, this isn't for me. There's a lot to admire here. It may just not be something that is meant for me to read. That's okay. I think it's great that we started this episode having differing points of view on, say, The Flash both equally valid and are ending with differing points of view on No Mercy and Indie Book that are also equally valid. Yeah, except with the flash, nobody screamed, I'll fuck your holes. <laughs> I don't know. Still time this week. <laughs> yeah, all right. Anytime Iris is on, you get very angry. <laughs> oh, she, all right, yeah. Put her on the fucking bus. Just roll it over with her fuck me boots and her blog. Just strap her in the back and push the bus over the cliff. All right, so I guess there's some continuity between the two with me. That, that works. All right, you're not going to call for an all-out fridging. You're just just going to stop short of put her on the bus. I don't want her <laughs> killed to motivate Barry. I want her killed to free him, to <laughs> cleanse him. And to free yourself. <laughs> That's it. This show's going off the air. We're canceled. All right, anything else on No Mercy? No, I, just, I think it's a great book. I, I think people should pick it up. All right. Anything else, or should we wrap it up? Because it is Easter Sunday, and everybody has things to do. So and we're at about an hour and a half, so I think we're good. All right. right. So, yeah, I don't know where you found this episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook. I don't know the link to it, but you can find a link off off our homepage. We don't do a lot there, but we certainly get messages there if you want to reach out to us. We're on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter. We are. You'll never remember. I don't. So just spit it out. At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife. Uh, we are uh, on iTunes. If you found the episode there, do us a favor. Shoot us a review. Give us a rating. We'd like to know what people think about the show. Uh, we are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Anything else I'm missing where we Tune are? Tune Radio. Yeah, we can be found on Tune In Radio. And I guess that is about it. So, yes, thank you to... Trebuchet and Pixie Sticks, as always, for being part of the show. Appreciate it. Hope you guys had fun. That was great. Get your shit and get out of here. Okay. <laughs> done and done. Uh, oh, yes, and you can email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. But otherwise, uh, that is it. This has been episode 62 of yep. the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And er- Shouldn't have drank all that water. I've had to piss for like the last 45 minutes. Champagne bukkake. (laughs) (laughs) And scene.